0: dear listeners, to yet another episode of the Through the Banner podcast. My name is Casper McLeod and joining me for this very special review episode of not just Round 23, but the home and away season as a whole is MVD. MVD, how are you? Pleasure to have you back on the podcast.
1: Casper, great to be here. Got nothing better to do with my life right now, so I might as well jump (laughs) on a podcast with you and not saying that you're not great and all that sort of stuff i'll be honest but actually nothing else to do right now so might as well do something hey
0: yeah fair enough mate fair enough well (laughs) let's we'll, we'll we'll review round 23 first and then we'll kind of discuss the home and away season as a whole let's get straight into round 23 mate it was a massive weekend absolutely huge weekend um i think it was the best round 23 best final round of the home and away season that i can remember i don't know about you but I, it was just high drama almost from start to finish. Now, uh, let's discuss what were your top two highlights of, uh, of round 23?
1: Uh, top two highlights, Friday and Saturday. I think <laughs> they're probably the two my two highlights. Um, the fact that the Bulldogs came back and beat uh, – sorry, the, the Port Adelaide came back to beat the Bulldogs um, was great for my tipping because I picked Port Adelaide. Um, but also, just what a game it was at at, at Marvel. It was, um, dare I say it, marvelous. Um, yeah. But they did a fantastic job. And then Saturday, uh, could we have got any closer games of uh, of footy? Like hawthorne Richmond. <laughs> okay, Richmond, st- Richmond still a draw out of the jaws of defeat. I think yeah. it's probably the is probably the highlight out of that. Um, Sean Burgoyne's final act is him brought all over the MCG um trying to trying to stop a Jack Rewalt uh, dribble kick for uh, yeah to try and get Hawthorne to win. Disappointing as a Hawthorne supporter that we didn't win that and we let that five goals slide, but what a game. Then Brisbane beating the Eagles by 38 points. Who thought a 38 point win would be so tense and so tight? And then to finish it off, what a game down at the, down the highway. Mm. Did Geelong put the cue in the rack though?
0: Yeah. I reckon 44 it.
1: points up, and then they just thought, nah, you know what? Melbourne, go your hardest. Um, and while I'm 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 gonna go with a disappointment. I know you've got to do your um happiness out of the week, but my disappointment, Frio, come on. Yeah. You had the chance to make it three days of fantastic football. But Frio come and dish out a 58 point disappointment against St Kilda, who, I mean, if Fremantle had have won, they would have been in the finals. They would have been playing finals. Mm-hmm. Well, for half an hour at least anyway. Yeah. But at the same time, they had the chance to make it a, a really exciting Sunday as well. Mm-hmm. But I was disapp- that was disappointing for me. So there you go. Yeah. I've done it all in one for you. What was your highlight for the
0: weekend? Fair enough, mate. Fair enough. Before I get there, I want to say, was there anything else that disappointed you?
1: Oh, I think I mentioned that with Hawthorne. Yeah, um, okay. giving up that five point uh, five goal lead, but uh, look, to be perfectly honest, I'm just grateful to be sitting there watching some sport. To be honest,
0: yeah, fair enough. Fair it, enough.
1: it kept kept me somewhat sane over the weekend, which frustrated me in, in an otherwise weekend that frustrated me.
0: Crazy situation with COVID, and obviously, you know, <laughs> my, my my thoughts are with you guys. I've been up, in, up in and around Shepherd, and man, it's um scary, scary, scary to see the news out of there. Um. Anyway, what's
1: been, let's, talk good, let's talk footy because I don't want to talk about it because it's frustrating. What was your highlights? And lowlights. Oh, give, highlight. give them all to me.
0: Give it everything. I'll give it, I'll, I'll, I'll give it all, mate. Uh, Melbourne, Geelong, what an unbelievable game of football. I think both groups of supporters, both Cat supporters and Demon supporters can take a glass half full and a glass half empty kind of look at the game. For Geelong supporters, glass half full, you got seven goals up, Against one of the one of a fellow premiership contender, and you kicked like seven or eight unanswered goals in that second quarter, whatever it was. And that's absolutely incredible. Obviously, the downside was you then lost. Melbourne flipped side, that second quarter was awful. But what a great last quarter to come back and win that. It reminded me a bit of the reverse in 2018, also down in Geelong, where Melbourne led by like five or six goals in the third quarter and completely stopped in the last quarter and and Zach Tui kicked that goal um, after the siren but I think the biggest highlight out of that game was Max Scorn. I'm so glad that he got an opportunity to redeem himself after missing uh, the opportunity to beat Geelong with the last kick of the game round one 2018. And what a moment, what an absolute moment. Melbourne's first minor premiership in 57 years comes down to their captain having a, the last shot on goal. After the- talk, start. About, talk about captain's
1: goals, like seriously.
0: Like seriously, just absolutely incredible. Also, before I go into the second highlight, just a little little interesting uh, trivia for you. 1964 was the last time that Melbourne finished on top. Not only did they win the premiership that year, Guess which global city hosted the Summer Olympics that year? Hmm. It wouldn't be Tokyo, would it? It would be Tokyo. Isn't that isn't that freaky? It's just a little bit freaky. Well, this let's
1: just black. let's just wait and see until the end of September. This yeah, time next month, crazy. we'll see how it goes. But I like your symmetry and your numerology for what of a better term.
0: How about this for symmetry as well? The last time that the minor premiership came down to round the final round, a kick after the siren to decide it. Stephen Kernahan, 1987, handed Carlton the minor premiership, and about a month later, they were premiers. So I'm just saying, Melbourne supporters, don't count your chooks before the eggs are laid, but I'm just saying it's looking looking good for you guys so far.
1: Um, Promising, yeah.
0: It's looking promising. Second highlight for me uh, was just a drama. Just a drama, almost non-stop drama. And, yes, Sunday was a bit of a letdown. But, hey, we saw a couple of fantastic marks at the Adelaide Oval. The game was a bit of a dud, but at least it was exciting with the highlights. Fantastic grab by McAdam and by Thomas as well. I don't know which mark was better. I'm seeing people on Facebook saying McAdam's marks were, mark was better. I kind of think Thomas's mark was better. What do you think? Have you seen them?
1: I have briefly. I haven't studied them to the yeah. nth degree. Yeah. Um, I think... I think Matt Adams probably had a bit more difficulty, though, because he had to contend with the goalpost. Yeah, that's true. So I met from that point of view, maybe. I don't know. But to be perfectly honest, I wasn't too f- concerned about the game.
0: Yeah, fair enough.
1: Um, Sorry to all the Adelaide and Melbourne, North Melbourne supporters out there. One thing um, Adelaide did, though, is consign Collingwood to the second last on the ladder, which surprised me completely. Yeah. Like I knew they were going bad, but I didn't think they were going that bad
0: you know it's 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 a it's really interesting when a team that's had what six or seven wins finishes second last on the ladder like i think that i think that speaks to how even the competition was this year yeah, um, which is good yeah absolutely uh, but yeah the drama the game in brisbane was incredible <sighs> the ending to that was amazing uh, the controversy of it the controversy of it have Foster you heard that behind? Controversy? No i mean well that was the controversy but basically, the game went on for about 20 to 25 seconds longer than it should have. And of yes, course, I did say that too. It was in those final, like, 15 seconds when Brisbane knocked the Dogs out of the top four. Um, let's discuss my top two. Well, like the Dogs, what an awful weekend. What an absolutely shocking weekend. Gave up a golden opportunity to beat the power. Um, they're in a rut. Bontempele is in a rut. Their midfield is in a rut which makes absolutely no sense considering how high-flying they were just a few weeks ago. Then they had their hearts broken by Brisbane and a controversial uh, timekeeping error. And then, now granted, right, I have no idea if this was the club's official position or whether or not this was Luke Beveridge's own personal opinion, but... When he said, um, off the top of my head, I'd say Adelaide Oval, when he was asked, like, where do you want to be? Where, where would you prefer to play your home game? Only to then be told, no, 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 no. You're going to be playing down in Monceston against Essendon, who drew a pretty great crowd the last time we played in Monceston. It must just frustrate <laughs> the Bulldogs supporters. Man, I mean, like, Essendon, we played... Hawthorne there earlier this year won uh, a good game of football. It was a close game of football, but we won. The dogs, on the other hand, played Hawthorne there and got comfortably beaten. So I think if I'm a dog supporter, I'm pretty nervous about how the season has suddenly turned so grim after looking so bright.
1: You've got a Western Bulldogs supporter on your payroll at the moment, haven't you, to do this show? Uh, Do I? I'm sure one of the isn't. I'm sure one of your co-hosts is a is a bulldog supporter.
0: Oh, uh, yeah, 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 kind
1: of, kind of, yeah, kind
0: of. Well, I was giving it to him. I'm sure.
1: Him. I'm sure that you can get him on it and say, "Hey, thoughts." Oh, Mate, absolutely. Let him let him loose. I reckon. Let him yeah, loose on nah. on it. It might take you about two hours to do, cut the podcast up because okay. of all the swearing, but uh, I reckon okay. let him have a crack at it.
0: Don't worry. I'll put it up unedited, and I'll just say, <laughs> "This is don't play this at work."
1: Uh, don't play this around kids, don't play this at work yeah exactly,
0: Um, but yeah secondly, I couldn't decide between Fremantle and Gold Coast, I'm going with Fremantle though just because Gold Coast had nothing to play for, Fremantle to have such a golden opportunity to be eighth at least for a little bit and to put a bit of pressure on the Bombers as well to make Sunday at least interesting for Mm -hmm. mutual supporters and then to just lay an egg it was absolutely disgusting what they what they put up in, in Hobart. It was absolutely awful. Um and I mean take nothing away from St. Kilda, they were great. But my goodness, what a shocking performance from Fremantle. Um and now Adam Chera wants to go back to Victoria. Goodness gracious me. What a well, terrible good for <laughs> what a terrible 48 to 72 hours for Fremantle. Um, now let's discuss the home and away season. Uh let's discuss our top, I'm not sure if I'd said originally in the text message to you two or three, let's say top three biggest positive surprises of the season and top three biggest disappointments of the season. We'll discuss the positives first because, you know, we're positive people. We like to focus on the positives. Except when
1: it comes to COVID, then we're negative.
0: Obvious. Well, yes.
1: We'd rather be negative. that's,
0: That's the most important thing to be Sorry, <laughs> no, 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 very, very true. Um, yeah. let's discuss. Uh, MVD, what were your top three biggest positives of what's been a pretty incredible home and away season? Uh,
1: I think I'm going to start off by saying the flexibility around everything, uh, the way people have managed to, right? There's all this, there's been all this talk over the last couple of years oh we need to have this yes we need to have this we've pretty much got through a whole footy season touch wood with no cancellations no nothing yes we had to change a few things around but I think the flexibility of everything and Travis Alden his uh, team at AFL house have done a magnificent job to try and cover that so to get through what we've done has been unbelievable and congratulations to everyone including the players support staff all of the above well done so that's number one Number two, Essendon. I think new coach, yes, I can see you smiling there. And it's a, it's one of those cheeky little smiles that I wish I could just rub off your face because even though we beat you in round one, yes, Hawthorne beat you in round one uh, and all that. But to to be making the finals, I think it's been fantastic. And new coach, no one really gave you a chance this year. Um, you found some really good players. Will you win games in finals? Remains to be seen. Mm. But at the same time, you're there. And as as uh, as one of the, the guys from the radio station up here says, you, you have a chip in a chair, you're in with a shot. Yeah. So you're in with a shot, you're playing September action. Will you wipe that 6,000 days off since winning a final? Well, As I said, we'll wait and see on that. Um, but at least you're there and you're having a crack at it. Um, and can I be cheeky with my third highlight? Go for it. To see Richmond not playing finals. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. No, I'll try. I'll try and be. I'll. I'll be nice. That's. That's not very nice. But a completely different top eight. Like at the start of the year, I don't think either of us would have picked the uh, a top eight that had Melbourne and Port Adelaide sitting one and two. I mean, I was pretty bullish on Port Adelaide because they played pretty well last year. Um, but to have Melbourne top, I don't think I would have picked that. Um, to have Sydney in the top eight as well, I don't think I would have picked that either. Like, it's just been it's been amazing to see. Um, and like you said, the even if, evenness of the competition has been amazing. So mm. four and a half wins, last place North Melbourne with four and a half wins, mm. I think is fantastic. Um, even like they they got better towards the back end of the year, and we'll get and you got to give them that they're getting better. I don't think they're going to be the worst team in the cop next year. No. Um, so, I, I, hopefully, um, I, I think, yeah, they'll probably give you four there, actually. Um, but at the it's same... It's
0: tricky Sorry. To- Sorry? It's tricky to choose.
1: Yeah, it yeah. is. But I, I think that's probably, without drilling down a specific game or something like that, I think um, they're my top three, four for you. Yeah. What about you? What what have been the positives coming out of twenty twenty one for you?
0: Uh, I'll try to not be biased. Um, let's start. Essendon
1: with... Sydney, yeah, right.
0: <laughs> number one, number two. No, um, let's start with the fact that normally in an AFL season, the upsets are kind of um, consigned to the first half of the year, and maybe you'll get like a couple of upsets in the second half of the year. But normally, by the 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 latter rounds, kind of, you know, things have kind of fallen into place. And when you have a really, uh, a team that's doing pretty well or a team inside the eight playing against a team that's in the bottom four, normally, you know what happens. Um, but pretty much up until round 23, there were multiple upsets every single weekend. You know, it was a nightmare for tipsters, but my goodness, it made for an exciting season. Like, who would have thought before that game was played that West Coast would get hammered by Collingwood in round 19 or whatever it was? Who would have thought two weeks later that the Bombers would have beaten the Bulldogs for the first time in six or seven years? You, I could go through a, a, a myriad of examples of just late season upsets that completely blew the doors of the top eight wide open. I mean, who would have thought gold Coast beat in Richmond? I mean, that to me is still astounding, you know, considering that the, uh, the importance of that game for Richmond, but just in, an incredible season, an exciting season, and a season where you looked at almost every single game, every single weekend, and you thought, yeah, every team is in with a chance here. Every team is in with a chance. Um, second, I agree, the top eight is exciting. Four teams that weren't there last year are there this year, and that speaks to the equity of the competition. Where you can have such a, a volatile top eight from year to year it's super exciting to see um and man leading on to that number three kind of talking about finals a little bit but this top eight the storylines coming out of it for each team it's it's just so exciting it's just so exciting to look at this top eight and to look at the potential storylines not just for this first weekend, but the second weekend, third weekend, fourth weekend, and you look at the top four and you think anyone who wins the premiership out of those top four teams, if it is going to be one of them, the storylines are going to be great. Because if it's Geelong, then you've got Patrick Dangerfield, arguably the best player in the competition, winning a flag again. Uh, Sorry, winning his first flag. Let's say again, when did he win it before? Melbourne breaking that 57-year premiership drought. Port Adelaide redeeming themselves in the grand final after that debacle in 2007. And Brisbane returning the Premiership Cup to Rugby League Heartlands. I am so excited for the finals. What a home and away season. What a top eight we have. But later later this week, there will be a finals preview episode out, hopefully, if I can get my act together. Now, unfortunately, with every positive, there's a negative. And if it's okay, NBD, I'll start off with the negatives uh, sure, Carl- go ahead. Carlton wow what a shocking season um, and you can't <laughs> were they the most disappointing team Carlton on the field probably not because I think that the teams that played final football uh, last year that were nowhere near it this year probably were more disappointing so you're looking at Collingwood and St Kilda and West Coast and Richmond but at least those teams have had final success recently at least you know the saints played a final last year and won richmond's got all those premierships west coast has 2018 you know collingwood had a couple really good years 2018 2019 what does carlton have recently to, to 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 hold on to what do their supporters have that they can that they can hang their hats on absolutely nothing they finished top nine in 2013. Right, let's be honest with you. Great win against Richmond in the elimination final that year, but that was the last time they did anything meaningful or significant in terms of the finals, Carlton. Just an absolute shocking situation on field and then off field. The whole situation with David Teague, the club embarrassing itself with the, if, will he coach, will he not coach, the whole instability. David Teague, he sounds really disappointed by the lack of support from the board. And I would 100% agree with that because why would you wanna work for someone who is constantly leaving you out to dry, constantly putting you up as a face of the problems at that club, because it's not David T. The problems at that club have been have been there for 15 to 20 years. David Teague is not the problem for that club, but he will undoubtedly be the, the scapegoat. And if they don't change the culture of the club, there's going to happen with the next coach and the next coach after that, no matter who it is. So shocking season from Carlton, both on field and off field. Number two, St Kilda. Man, I can't remember who it was, but I was listening to the coverage of the essendon Collingwood game on Sunday. And as soon as the final siren sounded and the players were were walking off the field, someone said that if you're a a St. Kilda, you shouldn't be saying, oh, well, we just missed out on final football. You know, we're unlucky not to make it. You should be looking at the Giants and the Bombers and their spot inside the top eight. And you should be thinking that was ours. Every single way that the Saints could have lost this year, they did. Gave up a five-goal lead and a six-goal head start against Geelong and Adelaide, respectively. Check. Had the game at the SCG against the Swans and a few weeks earlier against Geelong at Marble Stadium. In the palm of their hands, and yet threw it away due to inaccurate kicking. And then they got hammered. 75 points against Essendon. 54 points against Port Adelaide. 86 points against Richmond. 111 against the dogs six or seven goals against an under fire calton team like think about that for a second and no disrespect calton fans but Carlton were coming off a 40 point loss against north melbourne the team at the bottom of the ladder the saints were coming off a few good weeks couldn't quite beat the eagles and the power before that golden opportunity to stay in the race and once again when the pressure was on them they folded like a house of cards and yeah, I'd say, sure, at least they won a final last year. But now the pressure is on 2022 to prove that 2021 was the, uh, was the, um, the anom- anomaly, excuse me, not 2020. If they can do what Melbourne has done this year and kind of prove that 2019 was the weird out-of-place season, then all will be forgiven. But if they miss finals again, Man, I reckon all hell is going to break loose at the Saints, if you pardon the pun. Um, and the third low light, which I'm thinking probably should have in the number one low light, has got to be the disgusting examples of racism this year. There's just been so many. Um, just so 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 many and I don't know whether or not the in- the increase has been because more people are reporting it more journalists are reporting on it more you know, clubs are speaking out about it more now than they used to or whether or not there's just been gen- genuinely more people this year on social media saying disgusting racist things um, directed towards players um, and then to, to, to cap it off you have the former captain of a team and arguably the biggest, maybe except for Eddie Betts, the biggest football figure in Adelaide, currently still playing at the time, <laughs> saying, a racist, saying a racist comment directed towards another player in a Sample game. And it's just, it's so disappointing. Every single time that the AFL... As a community, seems to make a step forwards in terms of unity, in terms of being open, in terms of you know stamping out bigotry. It's like we take two steps back. And so for me, those were the top three lowlights of the season. How about you, MVD?
1: Fair call, um, and well said. I think you're right. <coughs> Excuse me. I think you're 100% right in regards to that last one. I can't believe some of the crap that's been going on about it. Um, It's just ludicrous and it needs to stop. So, uh, With you 110% on that um, in regards to that, great work. Uh, I'm definitely putting that one in my low lights categories. (sighs) I think the... What's the word? Some people just need to learn just to sport is a game of ups and downs. You're going to have your ups, you're going to have your downs. There's no need to sook about it. I don't know about you, but there seems to be a heck of a lot of sooking going on this year from Mm -hmm. all areas, whether that be coaches, whether that be uh, players. I don't know. You've got to take, with all due respect, you've got to take things into consideration of where we're at at the moment. Where are we? We're in the middle of a pandemic still. Yes, we want to be on the other side of it, but we're not. All right? We just need to stop sooking and just look. Yes, people are wanting to know what's going on and how things are working out. But at the same time, I think there was a heck of a lot of soaking this year and people just need to grin and bear things and just go, you know what? Let's just have a crack at things. Let's just have a crack and see how we go. Am I being too simple on that? I don't know. But at the same time, it's just one of those things where you just sit there and just write, let's just be grateful that we've got football being played and that you can, they can do their jobs. At least the at least AFL players can still do their jobs. There's people, plenty of people out there that aren't doing their jobs at the moment. So stop your soaking Be grateful for the opportunities you've been given, and move on. Um, well said. On a couple uh, on on field, look, where do I start? West Coast, St Kilda, Richmond. Um, for mine, they are those three. I think with a with the disappointments this year, um, far and away. Rich. yes, okay, they've had their injuries. But at the same time, some of them, like Richmond look very un like a lot of the time. St Kilda, yeah, they they played finals last year, but uh, maybe I'll, they might be on a similar trajectory to what Hawthorne were back in the uh, middle of 2000s. 2000. 2008, we, yes, we won the grand final. And won won the premiership by two thousand nine. We'll back out of the finals. So was last year one of those years where you sit there and go, hang on a minute, was that the like he, I think you like you said the anomaly, and it's like they did better than expect expected, and they tasted it. But then they're going to spend what a year, a year outside the eight. Do they push into the latter half of the eight, play maybe two finals next year, and then go from and then build on that for the next couple of years. Brett Ratton's next. Hawthorne assistant coach I get the feeling that there might be something, there might be a similar sort of trajectory to what Hawthorne were in that 2008 late uh, late noughties into the tens sort of set, set up at the moment so watch this space that could be the case for them but West Coast, you can normally trust them at home, I don't know what's going on with them but you couldn't trust them at all this year, mm-hmm. Richmond I have no idea, I mean yeah they say injuries were a big part, yes they were I'm not going to sugarcoat. Yes, they were a big part. But at the same time, for a side that had so many supporters off the field, how stable they were, how awesome that they were off the field, I couldn't see it this year. So many different issues arising right from pre season. So for Richmond, I think it's one of those years where they sit there and go, you know what? Let's wipe it. Let's start. Let's, let's, look, we're not playing finals. Let's start, let's start again throw the baby out with the not well not for the baby out with the bath water but just throw the bath water out and just just completely run in a new bath and and get let's go again
0: <laughs> Does, yeah is that,
1: I, is that is that fair enough
0: yeah no 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 look i i completely agree with that um and also just to briefly mention the shocking situation that i think west coast and Collingwood would especially find themselves in because richmond they have uh They have a fair draft hand and granted, you know, it's before the trade period. So who knows whether or not they'll still have those draft picks on draft night. But heading into the trade period, they have a lot of draft capital, Richmond. And yet Collingwood, who has had a far worse season than Richmond, a far worse season with far more instability, their number one draft pick this year, they traded out last year to the Giants. So all of a sudden pick two doesn't belong to Collingwood anymore. It belongs to GWS. And if I'm a Collingwood supporter, I would be tearing my hair out at that.
1: I was going to bring that sort of stuff up later because I know you got down on the run sheet. That you want to talk about these clubs in particular. So fair I'm just going to hold on some of my other stuff.
0: Yeah, fair enough. Well, let's get on to talking about the coaching merry-go-round That always happens at the end of the season. But this year it feels very different because the coaching future of three clubs kind of hinges on one person, and that's Alistair Clarkson. Would you agree?
1: Yes, but also no. Um, I just don't get it. At the same time, I mean, yeah, okay, I know he's turned around and said that he he wants to take some time off. Good on him. I reckon he deserves some time off. Agreed. But at the same time, like, why would you want to go to Collingwood right now? You mentioned it briefly. There's issues off the field. There's there's no draft capital. Um, (laughs) You listened to Ross Lyon on, on the M's last week, and you sit there and go, yep, he makes some points he makes some points he doesn't want to go to collingwood it's um fascinating yeah uh, look I, I agree that he's available i think it's good that for the sport that he's available is it good for the sport that he's people are waiting on him no i just i don't i just don't know I, honestly i don't know i don't i think he's going to stay i think his hand got forced in the in the um in regards to moving on, I don't think he wanted to, but I think he got forced to. I think this one where he doesn't have anyone forcing him to do anything, I think um, might mean that he gets to stick to his word and say, you know what, I am going to take that break. I am going to spend some time with the family um, and go from there.
0: Fair point. Well, in that case then, if Clarko really does mean that he doesn't want to coach next year and and he doesn't change his mind... Um, what happens then? What what happens with the coaching search at Collingwood? Does that mean that Carlton sticks with David Teague? And what happens on the Gold Coast? Because you know there's been rumblings after the Suns really disappointing losses this year that Stuart do might be on the way out.
1: How many? Okay, I'm going to look at the whole uh, Carlton and Gold Coast by themselves. Yeah. Collingwood can I can shell for a minute. Yeah. Carlton and Gold Coast. How many times do you want to change your coach? With all due respect, yes, you've got to find the right man. Why not stick and, and stick it out with these guys? Teague has a better success record in for his first 50 games of coaching than Clarko, than Hardwick. I saw that stat over the last few days. Every time a coach change, a coach comes into a club, They change the playing personnel. They change the off-field personnel. They change everyone. So it's at least a three- to four-year deal. At at least. Teague's had two years interrupted with COVID. Yeah. Okay. Yes, he might have gone backwards in later position this year, but I've just done some stats for you based on last year. Yes, okay, 17 games last year, 22 games this year. Last year, seven wins, 10 losses. This year, 8 wins, 14 losses. Yes, he finished 13th in this year and 11th last year. And he had a better percentage, 94.3 last year than he did this year, 88.5. But if you have a look at it, and yeah, okay, there's more games, so it's obviously, and there's longer time, blah, 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 blah. The team has scored, on average, 79.4 points this year. 79.4 points, which is up 19.4 points based on last year, 59.8. Their defences, okay, again, the defences let things in, but again, longer games, whatever, averaging 89.6 points against compared to 63.4 points against last year. But obviously there's an attacking uh, game plan in style there for David Teague and he wants to really push the button and go, which is great. And you can see that by 19.4 points, that's massive year on year jump. Oh, yeah. Gold Coast are the same sort of issue like yes there's rumblings because Stuart Jew I don't know is he up to it is he not up to it we only hear it at the back end of the year because they're playing well they've been smacked a couple of times and they finished 16th mm-hmm. they've, I mean their percentage is only better than North Melbourne but they've had 7 wins for the year They've the same amount as Adelaide why isn't Matthew Nix being spoken about
0: that's a good point. And speaking of improvement, they've won two more games than they
1: did last year. Exactly. The, like I understand the wins and losses column side of things, but in I get I'm more angry with the T the fact that they want to move Teague on because mm. if they don't, if they do move Teague on, it's going to be another two or three years down the track for Carlton, and they're going to turn around in two years time and say we want whoever it is, Lyon, Clarkson, whatever, out of the. Out and they're not going to see. They're not going to see success for another ten years. Yeah, Mac minimum, because they need to sit there and uh, speaking to Carlton supporters around my neck of the woods, they can see that. They can see it. It's the people that are. I'm guessing that are. I'm not going to say die in the die in the wool Carlton supporters because these ones that I am talking to are. But mm. at the same time, give him a chance. He's had two years interrupted with COVID. What are you going to do in that sort of time? You haven't been able to develop half your team. Like, why do they have to move someone on just because a review says so, if the review said so? Like, if they were going to, I also have the kind of sneaking feeling if they were going to do it, they would have done it already. I mean, we're sitting here, what, Wednesday, doing this podcast, and we haven't heard anything out of it. He's got to do exit interviews and all that sort of stuff with players. I mean, yes, they want to do it in their own time. Good on them. Well done. Congratulations. But at the same time, you owe it to your coach to get it done. If it's going to be done cleanly, you owe it to them to do it cleanly. At the moment, this is being very ugly and very unbelievable at this point in time. So I'm sorry I might be a bit passionate about this, but... I just think Teague's been given the rough end of the stick. Stuart Chu, I reckon, will stay mm-hmm. purely and simply because I think that's going to be the way that Ford, Collingwood. I have no idea who they're going to coach. Who's going to coach them next year? Absolutely none.
0: Adam Kingsley there a good chance.
1: Possibly. Who did I see? Someone had pulled. Someone had pulled out of the race. Don Pike. Don Pike, which which again. Point it, there's another one there that's like so. Ki- so Pike's out, who's an ex coach who's had a crack. Um, Ross Lyon has said flat out said no. Yeah. Um,
0: Brad, who Scott. Else? Brad Scott is still in the running.
1: Okay. Brad Scott's gone for it. Uh, that'll be interesting, but mm-hmm. oh, I think a lot of off field stuff needs to go right in, the, in a very short amount of time, but they they stand a very strong chance, Collingwood. Of going into the trade period with no, no senior coach.
0: Yeah.
1: No, it, it, it gobsmack, it's gobsmacking.
0: Not only, not only that, but also with the impending board challenge, if they do make a decision on head coach before that board challenge comes to comes to a head, it could be that the board, the new board, the board that's going to take Collier forward is not the same board who's made that coaching decision and the resulting player movement throughout the trade period and whatnot. That's just going to cause more instability. So if I was Collingwood, yes, it's going to be uncomfortable going through the trade period with potentially no head coach because often players decide to go somewhere depending on the head coach, which speaking of, will be fascinating to see at Hawthorne, all those players who came to Hawthorne to be coached under Alistair Clarkson, whether or not they want to stay, Um, and stay under Sam Mitchell or not but just sort out the off-field instability first if I was at decide who's going to be is it going to be Mark Corder is it going to be the other guy whose name I just completely forgot just someone is it going to be is it going to be person A person B because if you can't figure that out don't even think about steps two three and four get this one sorted and once the off-field stability has um, has kind of regained itself, then you can figure out what to do on-field because there are several questions that need to be figured out in terms of senior players. Um, Pendlebury has re has stated that he wants to stay at Collingwood and that he will be a, a, a one-term player. That was
1: that field. was interesting coming out though and, and saying what he said. Yeah, like seriously, that, that that just rings alarm bells. Does he really want to be there? Yes. yes, he's saying that because he wants to, but at the same time, goodness yes. me.
0: Little, little, little bit sus. Just a little bit sus. You know, I remember as an Essendon supporter, Ratio Fantagia saying, Yeah, no, I'll definitely finish. I will definitely see out my contract at, at the moment. Well,
1: oh, we all thought Sam Mitchell and, and Jordan Lewis were going to be one
0: club players. Oh, that's very true. Imagine Luke Hodge. <laughs> and Luke Hodge. And, yeah, imagine saying Luke Hodge. Imagine saying at the end after the 2015 grand final that Luke Hodge would finish his career in Queensland. You'd, you you would have been called you would have been called crazy. Oh, uh, for
1: sure, and everything else under the sun.
0: Yeah, that's true. In terms of Gold Coast, I say look, I know improvement has been slow. I get it, and I get that the big losses have been uh, embarrassing. But you're still a really young team. You look at some of the best players on that list, and they're like under 22, 23. Give it another season or two and the improvement will come. The blowout losses will stop and blowout wins should come more frequently than they, than they are. If they don't come 2022, 2023, if you're still seeing the same performances for Gold Coast, then yeah. Okay, sure. Get rid of Stu. Because clearly then what he's doing isn't working, but give him an opportunity. He's improving almost year on year. 2018, what you had four wins. 2019, you had three wins. 2020, Interrupted COVID season, you had five wins. This year, you've had seven wins. Think of the nine wins next year, Gold Coast.
1: Look, Gold Coast, everyone's comparing Gold Coast to GWS. GWS got the better end of that stick. Let's be honest. When they came, all came in, they had, a, they had a, better, a better draft. They had a better everything, I think, the way everything was set up. I, I think Gold Coast had been dealt the rough end of the stick. But I just... I look granted, at it and go, yeah.
0: Granted, with that being said, they kind of brought that upon themselves because Gold Coast, they could have gone with a much younger list from the start, like what the Giants did mm. um, with the aim of kind of, uh, you know, improving the place. whereas Gold Coast went for more trading, more targeting experienced players. Instead of getting like young players like a Phil Davis or a Callum Ward you know, back in 2011, 2012, like what the Giants did. They got experienced players, which granted, yes, experience is great, but with the exception of Gary Ablett, you can't say that the likes of Jared Brennan, Nathan Brock, or Brock, sorry, don't know who Nathan Brock is. Uh, you can't say that they've, fled, that they've left a lasting impact on that club. Whereas
1: Jared about- Harbro has.
0: Okay, that's true. But I mean, at the same time, he was young back then you want to say that he was a, 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 an old campaigner. Um, whereas the Giants, you look at Phil Davis and Callum Ward. Yeah. They've been great. Um, uh, yeah, so I think, look, Gold Coast, the improvement is happening and it will continue to happen. Just hold your horses, right? Hold your horses. I reckon they should have kept Guy McKenna at the end of 2014. I'm still mm-hmm. amazed they got rid of him. Had they kept him... I reckon that they would have won a premiership by now because they were continuing to improve, continuing to improve, continuing to improve. Instead, they brought in Rocket Ead and it just kind of, pardon the pun for someone called Rocket Ead, but it blew up in their face. Yeah. It blew up in their face. The ignition failed. It got stored in space somewhere. <laughs> yeah, it just fell. Anyways, um, Collingwood, so there's Collingwood Carlton, uh, Collingwood golfers Carlton, man. I mean, who would want to coach calton who would who would actually want to coach
1: calton or collingwood
0: calton because at least with collingwood they have a history of once they've made a decision sticking with you for many many years right regardless of whether or not you bring them premiership success look at Mick house nathan buckley 10 plus years you know they don't they don't you know have someone coaching for three seasons and then cut them out Mm. Carlton, you're not guaranteed any leeway at all. It's almost like they're still operating under that same level of arrogance that they had in the 80s and the 90s. But at least that made sense because they were successful. 70s, 80s, 90s, they were arguably the most successful team in the competition, maybe with except for Hawthorne. But they were top two. Hawthorne have continued winning premierships since then. Carlton have stopped. They need to realize that the way that they've been doing things at Carlton just hasn't worked. And that includes the instability at coaching. Similar to Gold Coast getting rid of Guy McKenna, Carlton getting rid of Brett Ratton after one season of missing the eight was a major mistake. What's happened since then? Three head coaches, two wooden spoons. And they played finals one year, and that was only because of the Essendon drug saga. Mm Mm-hmm. If they get rid of David T, honestly, with how horribly he's been treated by the board, I'm saying this partly in jest, but he should sue them. Honestly, he should sue them because, honestly, I think it's ruining his reputation. I think they are ruining his
1: reputation. Oh, great.
0: 100%. But with that being said as well, if questions are being asked of the coach, that's fine. But questions need to be asked of the players as well because – the players are the ones who are showing no defensive efforts. The players are, are the ones that when a team is on the rebound, they jog. They jog. They're like for a light Sunday stroll. You know, it's like those weird walking races that you see on TV.
1: What, in the Olympics?
0: Yeah. <laughs> no disrespect to anyone, to any walking marathon Olympians listening to this. Obviously, we have full respect for you being an Olympian and being a professional athlete. Obviously, that's super impressive, um, far more impressive than than anything that I've done in my life in terms of sports. Um, look, no doubt. But with that being said, walking? Sorry, that's besides the point. Move on. <laughs> that's, that's besides the point. Besides the point. Um, at least with Olympians, they train. They not only train, but they you you see it. You see it in their events, they put their heart and their soul into everything they do, into everything they do so that at least if they don't win gold or silver or bronze, they can hold their head up high and say, well, you know what, at least, at least I gave it my all, you know, at least I gave it my all. Carlton, with the exception of Sam Walsh, Jacob Reedering, and uh, uh, Harry Mackay, who, who can you say that of this year? Maybe Eddie Betts as well. But who can you say that of this year? You can't, you absolutely, you cannot say that of anyone else at Carlton this year. And now they have the off-field instability. And again, you had that same problem with Collingwood. Who's going to coach and who's going to want to come to a club with a, a, a massive question mark over coaching and a massive question mark over culture? You know, Carlton's not a destination club anymore, and they need to learn from the likes of Hawthorne, the likes of Richmond as well. Big, successful Victorian clubs who've won a lot of premierships recently who continue to draw talent from elsewhere. But you know what's really interesting about that last little fact? Adam Chera reportedly wants to play for Carlton. What does that say about David Teague? It says that he wants to play for David Teague because at the moment, Carlton hasn't definitively say, said, you know, no, he won't, be, he won't be with us next year. If a player like Adam Chara wants to play for your coach, maybe you should keep the coach. Maybe you should keep the coach. I agree. Anyways, <laughs> massive rant over. Uh, <laughs> thank you, MVD for uh, joining me on this uh, episode of the City of Banner podcast. It'll be really interesting to see next year how we'll all it's go under Sam Mitchell. Um, great player. By all means, a great assistant coach. Obviously, found success at, at, uh, at West Coast and with Box Hill as well. Um, yes, yeah, be really interesting.
1: Who's, um, who's your most under pressure going into next year?
0: Oh, yeah, right. I forgot about that question. Um, the club... The oh, cl- just quickly, I suppose. The club, I think, under the most amount of pressure next year is St Kilda, because haven't won a flag since 1966. And with Melbourne, a real chance of breaking their premiership drought. If they do, then St Kilda enter next year with the longest current drought or the longest existing drought in the competition. Mm. And with every single false storm that they've had, there's been a very sharp drop off. But at least you know, they've made grand finals, you know, 1971, 97, 2009, 2010, before they've dropped off. If next year they fail to make finals or God forbid do worse than they did this year, consider that their rise to the top only consisted of one elimination final win. And I don't think if I was a St Kilda supporter, I I don't know how many different ways my club can continue to break my heart.
1: Oh, don't worry. I can find a mate who uh, who has <laughs> <laughs> who has them all organised. So uh, he constantly says he's getting St Kilda to um to turn up to his grand uh, to his uh, funeral, so they can let him down one more time.
0: Classic, absolute so. <laughs> classic line. Um, Disgruntled football supporters everywhere. But yeah, thank Kilda
1: for me. How about you? I I think I get the feeling that the heat's going to come on the West Australian clubs.
0: Yep.
1: Not just West Coast, but Fremantle as well. Yes. Okay. John, Justin Longmuir was in what, second year of coaching. But at the same time, I get the feeling that if there's... If football's doing well, then football in Western Australia is doing well. I, I seriously think that. And to not to have a Western Australian side in the finals is a big shock. Um, And while we're talking West Australian football, don't send the grand final there. Give it to Adelaide. Adelaide's probably... A, I reckon I'd love to see the Adelaide Oval rocking grand final day. Mm. It Just just something about it just says, yes, I want that to happen, but oh, I don't understand why they're not getting spoken about. I mean, Brisbane, yeah, it could go back to Brisbane if it wants to, but the way things are going, and you got to think, if there's something that happens grand final week over in Perth, then there's going to be no crowds there.
0: Yeah. No, like COVID-wise,
1: there's going to be no crowds there, and he's going to do it at the drop of a hat. So, and I think Adelaide... Morning. Imagine sorry. grand final morning. Grand
0: final oh. morning, Saturday morning. One or two or three cases in Perth.
1: One case. Didn't it happen this year? They had one case in the, in the morning and they turned around and said, nah, no, ga- no crowds at the final, uh, mm-hmm. the game. And you're sitting there going, imagine if that happens on grand final morning. You've got it all built up and then that. So, for mine... You might mine, have
0: play it at the MCG. Exactly. For 30.
1: mine, play it at Adelaide Oval. You'll get a good crowd there. Yeah. You've got a tolerant premier who will do what he can to try and make sure things are working. Um, I think there's no, I mean, there's not going to be any football in Melbourne for the rest of the year. There's not going to, I, I think there shouldn't be any football in Perth for the rest of the year. Um, New South Wales, there won't be. Congratulations to Tassie yeah. for getting two elimination finals. I think that's awesome for them, and hopefully they might get a semi-final as well, which would be great. Ooh which I, is what I'm hearing that if something happens with the elimination finals, I think you get, I think they might get one. Um, but I, I like the way that it's split up. They could go to Brisbane if they want to, but just the logistics of it. I like it with two, the qualifying finals in Adelaide, the elimination finals in Tassie. I think it will be fantastic final series, but um, yeah, I think the heat will come on the West Australian sides next year.
0: Yep. I agree with that. 100%. Yeah. Uh- Thank you, NVD, for joining me for this episode. Wish, no you, uh, wish your club well for the uh, for the off season. Even though I don't really mean it. No, I'm joking. I'm Joking. <laughs> I'm joking. Uh,
1: I'm joking. Good luck to. Oh, hang on. I need to ask you a serious question. Okay. Who's going to get to a thousand first, Buddy or New South oh. Wales?
0: I reckon Gladys um, Gladys <laughs> might have her uh, one hand already on that thousand. No, um, uh, I reckon Buddy. Will. Uh, will I-
1: he- does he get it this year, or do we wait till next year? SCG, round one, needs needs two or three goals to get it. I'd it, like in front, of a, in front of a packed house at the SCG.
0: He kicked, what, I think six goals earlier this year against the Giants. So I think there's no reason why he can't get another back. Um, yes, I agree. A full crowd at the SCG or at the MCG. Imagine at the MCG... Versus Hawthorne. Hawthorne. Round versus Sydney, round one. Um, man, that would be huge. It would be huge. Honestly, AFL, put that on Friday night or Thursday <laughs> night. Open yeah. the season with
1: no, that. Um, no, it'll be Calton-Richmond again.
0: Hey, please don't put it Calton-Richmond again. Please. Because with Richmond being successful, you can understand like, okay, sure, like put Richmond on Thursday night. Yeah, I can understand that and Calton being you know, the, uh, a, a big rival, I can kind of understand that. But with both teams kind of falling off the ledge this year, why not, honestly, right, why not put Hawthorne versus Essendon Thursday night football to open the season? Not only do you have Sam Mitchell in his coaching debut, but also you have two clubs who have finished the season off in red-hot form and be looking to improve on uh, 2021. Why not? And honestly, these two teams normally play really good games against each other. And you get 80,000 people there easily to that game. Yeah. but um,
1: that's, a, that's something for another podcast, I think, mate. Right? But yeah, anyway, yeah, I do want to better. wish you all the very best for in your endeavours. Uh, two elimination finals this weekend for you. So good luck and uh, hope, uh, well, fingers crossed for you that at least one of them gets through.
0: This weekend is either going to be a great weekend if one gets through, a really great weekend if both get through, or a terrible weekend if neither of them get through. Either way, I'm excited to see to see the Swans and the Bombers play. Thank you, dear listener, for listening to this episode of the Through the Banner podcast. Join me later this week as me and a, another co-host, which I am yet to uh, figure out who it's going to be, will preview the final series on what's shaping up to be a fascinating September. Until then... How do you say goodbye? Adios.
1: Adios.